Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is the first Twins podcast of the brand new year 2018, but certainly not the last. A happy new year to all the Twins fans out there and to you, Rhett Bollinger, as well as uh, Rhett, our Twins reporter, joining us here today to talk all things uh, Twins baseball heading into uh, 2018. And uh, let's let's think warm thoughts on these very cold winter days all across the country as we uh, gear up for 2018. We'll kind of run down the uh, five biggest questions uh, facing Minnesota as uh, they want to get back to the playoffs in uh, back-to-back years. So, Rhett, I think a, a good place to start. This has always been uh, the topic du jour whenever we talk Twins baseball, their pursuit of a uh, frontline starter, what kind of odds do you put on the Twins uh, getting that elite guy, whether it's you, Darvish, or perhaps somebody else on that next tier? Uh, how do you think the Twins' chances are right now? I think the odds are still pretty good here. I do think the Twins are going to try to get a top-line starter. Whether it's going to be Darvish is hard to say. At this point, it kind of is hard to even you know guess where Darvish is going to go. You know, He's met with some teams already, teams like the Cubs, his former team, the Rangers, uh, the Astros as well. Um, I'm sure the Dodgers will probably be in that mix as well, too, uh, you know, coming off that team. So it's hard to say what will happen with Darvish, but even if they strike out on Darvish, I think they've got a good chance to go after a guy like, you know, Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb. I mean, Jake Arrieta as well, I think they just have more interest in a guy like Cobb or Arietta, or sorry, Cobb or, or Lynn more than they have a guy in a guy like Arietta right now. Uh, Arietta might just be a little bit too cautious for looking for in terms of the age, too. He's a little bit older than those two guys. Uh, they want some younger guys that can be a little bit uh, – you know, more affordable. I mean, I think the Cobb and Lynn are both going to get pretty good contracts, but the fact that they're both tied to the, you know, the compensation for draft pick might bring down their value a little bit. So I do think they'll find somebody, and obviously they can go the trade route as well. But I do think no matter what, they need a starter to go into that, you know, rotation. Right now, the rotation, you know, they like the top of it with Urban Santana and Jose Barrios. After that, though, they don't have as much depth as they used to. You know, Kyle Gibson had a nice second half. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of young guys. You know, Adelbert Dominguez and that mix. Prospects like, you know, Fernando Romero and Steven Gonzalez, and you've got guys coming off injuries like, you know, Phil Hughes and, and Trevor May. So there's a lot of question marks beyond those top two guys and maybe Gibson. So I do think they need to get some sort of top-line guy that's going to fit up there, uh, you know, toward the top of that rotation with, with Santana Brees. I do think it will happen. It's just hard to say who at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have Santana and Barrios as your one and two, but if you can have them as your two and three and put a bona fide ace at, you know, at the top of that number one spot, Obviously, that only makes things better for the Twins and for that rotation uh, as a whole, one through five. 
Uh, Rhett, interesting question you posed here uh, with so many young guys on this team uh, coming into their own and uh, forming uh, what is hopefully the nucleus of this Twins team for years to come. What players would you say right now amongst that younger group are the biggest uh, priorities in terms of contract extensions? Well, it's definitely going to be a priority for the team. I asked you know, Thad Levine, the GM, about that at the winter meeting. It's just kind of get a feel for you know, how, how, long, how far in the process they are in terms of identifying players they want to extend and if they had, had any talks with the agents about that. Uh, they have not at this point yet. I think their plan is when spring training starts and the roster is finalized, and they know their budget, uh, they'll kind of have more of a, a feel for how they want to approach that and talk to different agents for these guys. Uh, You've got to figure Buxton's got to be the number one priority. Uh, Buxton's, you know, the, the future star of this team, um, you know, a, a great guy to build around, you know, all-around player, but also just a good person in the community, a good face in the franchise. Um, so you got to figure they really want to extend him. It's just a matter of, if he wants to go year to year, that's the whole thing with this whole thing. There's probably this whole, you know, extension thing is these guys don't have to sign an extension if they don't want to. Uh, you know, they can continue to go year to year once arbitration hits. Uh, they can get paid that way and then become free agency, you know, become free agent earlier. Uh, obviously, the benefit of signing an extension is you get that guaranteed money up front and he might be, you know, buy out a year or two of your free agency and become a free agent a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, you know, Miguel Sano, I'm sure they'll have contact with him as well. Max Kepler, uh, maybe even Jorge Polanco. Uh, a lot of these young guys that they want to lock up for a while. I mean, I think the middle infield is a little bit tough because with Polanco, just because you know you got Nick Gordon coming up, and you don't know really the situation yet with with Brian Dozier. But same thing with Dozier and Mauer, even though they're not young guys, uh, they're both going to the last year of their contracts. Um, the Twins could look to keep one or both of those guys as well too. I mean, both faces of the franchise. You know, Mauer's only played with the Twins. Uh, has been the face of the franchise now for a decade. You know, more than a decade. Uh, could he come back on a, a smaller deal to stay with the organization after next year? We'll find out more as the season goes along. Same with Dozier, you know, big-time player for this team with the power and same thing as a, as a cutoff leader and also a face of this franchise. You know, will he be extended or are they going to let him walk and, and decide to go with a younger middle infield with Polanco and maybe Nick Gordon? So there's just a lot to kind of look forward to and see with a young core of guys, but also with some of these veterans in the last year. So I think extension talk is something we'll definitely be monitoring a lot in spring training and even throughout the season to see what they want to do with these young players and the veterans. Uh, with their contract. Yeah, obviously you talked about uh, Joe Maurer on the, the other end of that uh, you know spectrum. He is uh, right now obviously the face of the franchise, but a guy that could inherit that mantle one day and maybe one day soon is uh, Byron Buxton. And when you when you look at his talent, he had a, you know, a breakthrough 2017 and uh, you know he could truly be one of the elite players in the game. Do you see him maybe one day joining that class of the Mike Trouts and the Altuves, Machados and Bryce Harpers. Do you see him in that class or maybe a tier or two below that? I think the sky's limit. I think that's certainly possible. I mean, you got you got to see if the offense is really going to get to that point. It was in the second half of this year. Uh, that breakout, if he continues that kind of breakout, the way that he did with the power and speed that he had, then, yeah, you got to put him in that kind of class because he does so much defensively. You know, he's the best defensive player in baseball. He pretty much knows that now with all the defensive metrics out there and even just the awards he got from the Platinum Gold Glove for the Wilson Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's the best defensive player in the majors, and when he can add you know, all-star type offense to that, all of a sudden now you're talking about one of the elite players in the game. So, um, But it's still the jury's still out there if he's going to reach that level of offense just because it was such a small sample size. It really only was, I guess it started maybe in you know, late May, June-ish, but really it was July, August, September that he really dominated. I think he's got to do it for a longer stretch to prove that. Um, but it's a great sign because that was kind of the worry they've had the last couple of years was he dominated the minor leagues offensively, um, but really struggled his first couple of years in the majors. But that's not you know too untypical for a guy his age. You know he's only 24 years old now going into this season. He was 23 last year, so um, he's still a young guy in his you know early to mid 20s. 
uh, they can continue to get better. So I do think he can reach that class. I think that was always kind of the hope all along. You know, he was a game's number one prospect for, what, three out of four years for MLB.com. So um, he always had that kind of trajectory. It just kind of got stalled a little bit with some of those uh, issues in the majors early on with his plate discipline and his pitch recognition. But I think that now he's gotten a better feel for that. He sticks his mechanics. Um, I do think that an MVP-type, uh, you know, season or player is something that Bucks need to become. But it's still, like I said, it's still too early until he really does it again for a full season and really shows the offense is legit. But if it is, uh, with his defensive speed, he is definitely the real deal. You know, and there, there's a school of thought that sometimes the best thing a young player can do is struggle. And Byron Buxton had those struggles, uh, you know, by, by, by leaps and bounds. There's no question there. But, you know, he's had them. He's learned from them. He's hopefully put it behind him. And now he's, he can take that next step to being not just a good player or very good, but a great to elite player. And maybe 2018 is the season that that uh, whole thing happens over the course of a full campaign. Uh, Rhett, let's transition to the bullpen. Even after signing uh, the veteran closer, Fernando Rodney, and uh, his magical bow and arrow, how much of a concern is the rest of that bullpen right now? It's not too much of a concern right now because they just signed Zach Duke as well. He is coming off Tommy John surgery that he returned from in July with the Cardinals. Uh, but Duke kind of gives him a veteran lefty in there, and then Rodney can be that closer at the back end. Um, because they still have some intriguing young arms that they really like. You know, Trevor Hildenberger to be their main setup reliever. Taylor Rogers has put together two really nice seasons in a row there. Uh, they're hoping that Ryan Presley and, and, and Tyler Duffy can bounce back a little bit. You never know if Trevor May or Phil Hughes might go into the bullpen as well. Um, and they've got other young arms they like a lot. You know, they're in the minor leagues, and guys like Gabriel Moya, uh, Jake Reed. Um, th- there's some guys that are on the upswing here, uh, John Curtis. There's just some young arms that are really starting to fill up this bullpen. So it's not as much of a concern right now. I think they wanted to sign probably two relievers. Uh, they went for Rodney and Duke, which were both pretty low cost. Uh, you know, Rodney got the one year and an option, and, and Duke only got the one year. Uh, both guys, you know, are getting up there in age a little bit. So uh, not long-term signings. Uh, but I think they kind of want to have that flexibility because they feel like they have some young guys that can maybe step up and be the closer after the season. But for now, at least they have some veterans in the back end. They could obviously add another guy here, um, but more likely, if I had to guess, it'd probably be like a minor league free agent type. Um, but they really haven't spent too much money in the bullpen, so I guess maybe it allows them to have a, a bigger budget to try to sign a guy like Darvish, uh, you know, or, or in Lane or Cobb. I think they certainly have the money to do that if that were to be the case, especially because. So far, as much as they've fixed the bullpen a little bit, it hasn't really been a costly endeavor. They've been two, kind of two low-cost uh, veterans that kind of fill out that bullpen. And uh, Rhett, to uh, wrap things up here, sometimes uh, the biggest obstacle that, uh, that a team faces after coming out of nowhere to succeed and coming out of nowhere to reach the playoffs as the Twins did in 2017 is now in the ensuing season, you have that weight of expectation, which, you know, of course, when you lose 100-plus games, there are zero expectations. The Twins have that now. Would you earmark that as their biggest obstacle, their biggest challenge in getting back to the postseason? I would think so, yes. I mean, even if you look at two years ago, you know, they're coming off that season after Mauder's first year as manager. The Twins, you know, surprisingly made it to the, what, the third to last day, second to last day of the season before they're eliminated from the postseason that year. Um, I think that everyone thought that, you know, two seasons ago was maybe going to be year the Twins would continue to build on their kind of surprise season. Next, you had some expectations. I remember the, you know, opening day, Terry Ryan saying that, you know, this is a playoff caliber ball club. And then sure enough, we know that's the team that ended up losing 103 games and was the worst team in baseball. So sometimes the expectations uh, definitely can go awry just having that feeling now that they're supposed to win. But I think this team's better equipped uh, to continue to get better because I, I do like that young core a lot. I think Buxton continually is getting better offensively. You know, if they can stay healthy offensively, they, they've got a, a great young core. They don't have to really change much with that. 
Um, the pitching is going to be the big key. We've talked about it a million times, but they still got to add a starter uh, to contend. But at least they've got some young arms. Like I said, they're in the bullpen, and they've got Barrios and Santana on top of the rotation. So, uh, but it's going to be tough because I think a lot of the big clubs so far continue to get better. We've you know the Yankees to cuddle with what they've done this offseason. Even the Angels have added a lot too. And those are two teams where you know the wild card side teams. So we're not even talking about the teams that won their divisions last year. So um, that's kind of the way it shapes up in baseball right now. There's a lot of super teams, and then there's the teams that are rebuilding, and there's the teams that are kind of in the tiers between it. And I think the Twins are probably just in that tier, obviously below the super teams. So it's going to be a little tough for them to, to break in, uh, other than being the wild card, unless the Indians really fall off here. So uh, it, it's going to be a lot for them to, to, to make the play- playoffs back to back years. But they have that young core; they can continue to develop, and they can add a starting pitcher this offseason. It can happen. Um, but you're definitely right. The expectations are there now, and they're going to be there continually. I think at this point, the fact that they made it already, it might have been earlier than people expected. Uh, people think this team should be good going forward. And if they're not, it's going to fall on the front office and it's going to fall on Mauder. So uh, there is definitely some pressure now to win. Um, and I think that that's going to kind of manifest itself in the way they build this ball club, even next year in free agency, and continue to add uh, more and more pitching and more pieces to make this a consistent winner going forward. Yeah, that, that's always a big step in any team's development when you can't sneak up on anybody like the Twins did in 2017. Uh, teams are going to know what this uh, twin squad is all about, having reached the postseason, uh, having reached the wild card game. So uh, that's always a, a next big developmental step to see if the Twins can handle that and take that next step forward. And I, I think we all agree that, that the Central belongs to the Indians for the foreseeable future, but there's no reason why the Twins can't make some noise, especially if they get that coveted number one starter, whether it's you, Dar or someone else to take us up full circle. And that's a good place to wrap this one up on this Friday the 5th of January. Rhett Bollinger, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time, and we'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.